Thank you for tuning in to the People of the Covenant podcast. This session involves a discussion that's already in progress, where we were examining a biblical overview of humanity and ethnicity. This week's session, we will focus our attention on what the Bible has to say about history in general and how it bears upon the subject of social justice. Once again, we thank you for tuning in. All right, so leading right into point two then, certain biblical passages that we want to look at um, that have to do maybe with history or at least just historical uh, events and historical issues that still are very relevant. Um, so a biblical view of history, and I know I know we, we talked about we talked about history last time, and that was really more just modern history of CRT and looking at some of those things. Here we're taking more generic approach of certain biblical passages that are historical at their core, but um, but intimately connected with God's revelation. And and what we're talking about is passages that have to do with um, predominantly, I guess, passages that have to do with slavery. So Old Testament passages that have to do with slavery. And, and you know, I guess you could say, why look at these passages? And, and I wrestled with that. You know, I went back and forth, okay, are these passages really relevant? Or, you know, why, why should right. we look at it? What, what's, you know, is it really worth the time? And, and I, I wrestled with that. And, and the conclusion I came to is, again, even if they're not directly relevant, and I think in certain contexts they are in this discussion, I think in certain contexts they are directly relevant. Yeah. Um, because I mean, let's be fair. Some of these passages were used by Christians in the past to justify American slavery and and things that went on there, and so so they're they're directly relevant in that perspective. But they are uh, they are very indirectly relevant in how we look at history and how we view history and how we understand history. So historical biblical account of actions which are highly debated uh is 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 what we're looking at Mm -hmm. they're historical biblical accounts and and that just gets to the core of that whole idea of these are events that happen in history that are that were in that are intimately connected with god's revelation because it's recorded for us as god's people for all it's recorded for all eternity in a sense but they're relevant in the modern erasing of history to some, to some degree. Mm, yeah. And I, um, I know we focused in on some of this last time and maybe we'll just do like a quick, quick, uh, recap of that, but there really is a modern re- redefinition of history that is happening. Mm. And, and the, Apart from obviously the uh, clear denial of of just simple core foundational biblical truths in in this whole discussion of critical race theory and and social justice, the other thing that just drives me mad, I'll be honest with you, just it drives me mad, is just the the redefinition of of history. I, I mean, there have been ethnic nationalities that have been hated and persecuted and sinned against throughout all of history in all humanity i, I mean the things that I, i'm i'm ukrainian I, I think i said that before right um <laughs> the things that certain other nationalities did to 
my people, you know, my people, uh, that did to my people <laughs> is uh, is on a level of great sin, you know? Um, yeah. Murdered, slaughtered millions. Um, but again, but but I can't, I can't. So the question now is, how do I view that? Yeah. How do I think through that? How do, how is that? How do I biblically think through it? But then, how do I con, uh, view it in a proper category and context? Yeah. Because inherently, that's what we have going on here. We have, <laughs> you know, and, th- and this is actually what's funny. I think I was going to mention that early uh, uh, later, but. You know, so you have blacks in America that are looking, you know, that in a sense that are claiming that they're a different ethnicity or a different nationality. Um, and, and in a sense, I, I almost kind of want to laugh a little bit because it's like, well, we're living in America. Like, you, 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 you we were all born here, buddy. I mean, I, I wasn't, but like, just like generally speaking, right? Like, we were born here. We're in America. Like, Every American has a different ethnicity and different nationality. If, if you want to, you know, if you want to dig into that. So it's like, I mean, you have two generations, three generations, I mean, whatever, of, of people that are born here, they're American, we're American, um, but uh, we're, we're looking at our past of clear ethnic diversities, you know, of Africans being brought into this country and, and, and the sin that was there. And we're trying to now impose that on a modern culture of there's that diversity is not, it's seen in our skin color. I mean, it's seen in our cultural engagements, but at the end of the day, it's not like, it's not a, a, um, it's not this clear division of, you know, oh, you, you came from Africa. Well, no, you didn't. You, you really didn't, no. right? Like, no. um, Brian, you're black. I mean, what, did you come from Africa? <laughs> um, I have to ask my mom when I yeah. talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm being somewhat silly, but I think yeah. it, it kind of gets the point of cross of the silliness of some of this discussion. So, yeah. so you have, so, so what we have is blacks in America today that are looking at something that happened in the past. Is it relevant? Sure, of course it's relevant. We're not in any way saying it's not relevant. I, I hope I hope people don't hear us saying that. It's very relevant. We're saying, let's look at it rightly. Let's look at it biblically. So they're looking at things in the past, and they're projecting it onto our time today and making certain demands based on that. <clears throat> and that's where I think the modern, you know, erasing of history and redefinition of history is, is, um, is so dangerous because, yeah. yeah, I'm on a rant now, but, but I think, I think the point is somewhat <laughs> clear. It's like, you know, historically, I mean, there's been abuse after abuse. There's that, the, 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 the wall of hostility that we're going to talk about in Ephesians two has always been there since the fall. Absolutely. Um, it didn't start in early America. It did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and as 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 sinful and evil were the acts of early America of the slave trade, there were there were even more evil manifestations of slavery in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean I think that really nails it on the head and it and it it makes it really I'm still confused by it all, how it has made such inroads in the last several years. Um, but I, I digress. I'm, I'm going to let you go ahead and get get. No, you're fine. Go. We're having a conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just um, it amazes me how 
Um, but it shouldn't. It shouldn't amaze me as to how man has a tendency to compartmentalize his own experiences um, apart from all of the rest of history. Hmm. Um, and it's like you said, this is sure it's unique to the person that experiences it. Um, but it's not unique in terms of when you look at it in the totality of history. I hmm. mean, this, the, 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 the atrocities that have taken place are numerous and recorded for everyone to, to, to behold and consider. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, in in a little bit, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about how that works and how the how how are people like you and I, um, how are we to look at this as individuals biblically? We'll deal with that in in a short while. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt, and it's um not to uh, not to open up a whole nother conversation here, but uh, and I think we'll. This is actually maybe we'll give a little bit of a oh preview. Boy. This is the conversation we want to get into some some of the issues next, but uh, we see that so vivid in the modern context we're living in, in in the whole COVID context. Yeah, there's just such a denial of history, and <laughs> and I'm I'm and I'm uh, I'm um in in the church and in in the in the secular. Yeah. There's just a denial of history. There's an erasing of history. There's a there's just a refusal to view things historically. And, and I think again, we're we're not going there right now. I, I we're uh we're hoping <laughs> to maybe deal with some of those issues in the next session that we, that we want to do, but yeah. uh, we haven't worked out the details of that yet, so I don't want to get too far into that. <laughs> but but I think it's such what we're living through right now in the whole COVID age is just such an example of that. There's just a denial of history and what humanity has faced in the past. Yeah. And a refusal to uh, learn from it. But um which is always dangerous. No doubt. No doubt. It's uh it's funny. It's like it's almost like everyone forgot what uh well, you know, I uh <laughs> who knows what history teachers uh, what all of them said, but um, we, we've forgotten what historians as a whole have been saying for many, many years now. We learn from the past. We study the past to learn and not to make those same mistakes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, guess what? We're making those mistakes right now. <laughs> and uh, and it, it wasn't even a generation ago that no. we're about to get into those same mistakes, but mm. for, a different, uh, for a different podcast. Yes, indeed. So Exodus 21 is the first passage. We're skipping a lot of history here. Sons of Noah uh, spread through all the earth. Nations are formed. God elects Abraham. Uh, Yes, we believe in election and predestination, a beautiful biblical doctrine. Mm. So God elects Abraham. God um, begins... The, the work of redemption, well, continues, I should say. Work of redemption was begun in the in the garden, but uh, but he continues the work of redemption. The nation of Israel comes out of uh, comes out of the out of Egypt. They go into Egypt. There's abuse. There's slavery. Um, that's there. They come out of Egypt. 
uh, and God is is giving His law to to His people, to the nation, and uh, that takes uh, that brings us to Exodus twenty one because it's this passage that's dealing with uh, the laws about slaves, which again is uh, I think just. Um, somewhat on the topic of, of this discussion that we're talking about. And um, I had a hard time trying to figure out which verses exactly to read, because to be honest, you got to read the whole chapter to get the whole context. And I'll just, <laughs> I won't do that for sake of time. So what I'm going to do is just start reading verse one and then I'll stop uh, in, in a little bit. Now, these are the rules that you shall set before them. So this is God speaking to Moses, which then will get passed on to the, the, the people of Israel, God's people. Now, these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and, and in the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife, she bears him sons or daughters. The wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. Okay, I'll just, I'll stop there again. There's You really have to read the whole chapter to kind of get the full context and the full picture, and uh, really you have to read the whole um the whole law to, <laughs> to get the whole context and the whole passage, but you know, well, uh, we can't do that. Um, we don't have the time for that, but I want to make a few, few observations because the, I mean, these are difficult passages. These are, these are passages that are so, um, so far removed from our, uh, modern societal structure and Absolutely. context that, uh, that it's it just, even as Christians, you know, we might cringe, you buy a Hebrew slave. Ooh, uh, what does that mean? You know? Um, yeah. So, so it's necessary to, we have to, you know, just cautiously approach, approach these passages and just a few, a few observations that I think are helpful. Number one, this is God's law. Mm. So however we view this, God is saying this. Amen. <laughs> now, uh, not to get into a deep discussion on this, but I, we as conservative Christians, solid Christians, um, historical Christians, I think is a better way to put it than necessarily conservative, but you know, all those things are relevant and true. We have abandoned the Old Testament a long time ago. We have given the Old Testament over to liberals a long time ago. Mm. And, and the way to do the way to know that is try to find some try to find commentaries on the Old Testament. Man, I mean, good luck. I mean, you're, you're going to be like literally a hundred to five in terms <laughs> of hundred liberal commentator commentators and five good historically Christian commentators. Mm. So we've we've abandoned the Old Testament, um, and and that has caused. Uh, a lot of room for confusion. And I'll add our abandonment and refusal to uh, to study and let God's law influence our thinking has also contributed to that. Yeah. Because we just almost like, you know, we just shoved that to the side. You know, when, when was the last time you heard a, a sermon on Exodus 21? <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I'm being a, li- a little bit silly on that, but... 
Um, but that's a good point, Dennis. I mean, because a lot of what you're you're looking at here in Exodus 21 is so offensive to the modern ear mm-hmm. that that it's difficult for us to see anything else. Mm. It's difficult for us to see. Um, it's difficult for us to paint a picture in our minds as to okay, what was culture like mm. at that point? Yeah, and 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 let alone the whole concept of that that slavery played in society in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. So we have God's law. This is God's law. Paul states very clearly God's law is holy. God's law is good. Um, however you deal with these statements, God is the one who is saying this. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, one one liberal scholar I was listening to online, you know, he's walking through these passages. And, and it was good. It was helpful. It was good. I mean, he's approaching it from an ancient Near East Eastern perspective and trying to understand other, bring in other laws, laws of Hammurabi and things like that. And um, But it's funny because his worldview is this didn't actually happen. So the, the Israel was never actually in Egypt. They, these are... These are just like, you know, metaphorical statements of how a nation is to be ran based on certain uh, uh, things that have happened and laws that were applied and things like that. But it didn't actually happen. Wow. Um, You know, and that's where we have to we got to stop and go. No, 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 no. This is God's law. This is God's word. This is God's inspired word. Uh, this actually happened. Um, oh my, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the next important thing that I think is foundational here is we believe in progressive revelation. Yeah. So what that means is God didn't give all of his revelation to Adam in Genesis 2. Uh, he didn't give all of his revelation to Abraham in Genesis 12. Um, it, his revelation was progressive. And um, and that means that what we have today, Israel didn't have. Uh, the prophets of old didn't have. And that's important because I also believe that the application of that revelation is also progressive. So yeah. what, what do I mean by that? What, what I mean is um, we can't expect uh, God to reveal something to Israel at that time that was revealed hundreds and hundreds of years later in much deeper and fuller uh, a meaning and expect, you know, the application of the, the much fuller and deeper revelation to be expressed uh, in, 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 in the past. In the past, yeah. That's and, and what that means is, I mean, so, so uh, I think it's Deuteronomy 8, uh, I won't read it right now, but Deuteronomy 8 talks about how, what's the, what was the purpose of God's law? Well, the purpose was so that the other nations could look at Israel and go, what, who is that God? Who is that God that's so just, that's so good? That's mm. uh, Why is their society so good? Um, now, if God would have um, 
presented a 21st century economical societal structure in Exodus 21, <laughs> that would never happen. It wouldn't make sense, right? The other nations would, lo- would look and go, we got aliens here. Uh, what's yeah. going on? A lot of things needed to happen before that would take place. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that's important to understand. There's a historical context to everything. Absolutely. There's a historical context. And... Uh, and even the term slave, so we read Exodus 21, slave, that is, a, uh, that is a term that has many different manifestations. You know, we cannot read that automatically assume, you know, early America, you know, Atlantic slave trade, chattel slavery, and even chattel slavery, different manifestation of what that even means yeah. and, and how, you, you know, cause there are some scholars that will say, well, the Atlantic slave trade, that wasn't sla- chattel slavery and it's historical understanding. Um, so again, we're, we're not necessarily getting into those details, but I think right. what's the point? The point is let history be history. Let the application of God's truth be the application of God's truth in their time. Let's understand it in that proper historical context uh, but it's still good. It's still mm. holy. Yep. Um, and and um, and I I am very uncomfortable with statements like that Old Testament scholar I was telling you about um, of statements like, well, there are improvements that are made in Exodus twenty one in the con- you know from other laws in that time, but obviously. Mm. When we look at our morality, our modern morality, you know, massive improvements have been made. Um, you know, and, and again, I mean, the, we're not getting into that, but um, did you come up with your morality? Where did that morality come from? Because I would argue the modern morality that that's good is actually God's law. Rooted morality. in God's law, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the the other interesting thing that I find here is. This comes right after chapter 20. I know, profound. I know. Um, you can count. What's that? You can count. Uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm smart. <laughs> so Exodus 20, God gives the Ten Commandments. So God gives the, the, the summary of his moral law. And that's where, in a sense, his law, that's where his law begins. And what is the first thing, I mean, you, you could argue second, but, but I think the first like real issue that he deals with, slavery. Isn't that interesting? Mm. Isn't that interesting? Um, and, and I think the, uh, the, 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 there's something really important there, and that is that God, God's law values life. God's law values how we are to treat life, human beings, um, and God's law places a, a high level of respect and honor on human life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the abuse of that that was going on during that day is the reason that that was the first thing God went to. Here, we're we're going to draw the line here, very clear, between how you are to be as my people and how those other nations are that that are that have a very insufficient view of the value of, of human life. Absolutely. That's good. Um, another point uh, I think that's important here is 
Israel context of Egyptian slavery should drive our understanding of these passages. And specifically, we're, we're actually going to Leviticus 25 next, but I wanted to just jump there right now a little bit. So Leviticus 25, there's a statement that's made in verse 42, and this is in the context, again, of talking about slavery and, and things like that. But in verse 42, it says, for they are my servants whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him ruthlessly, but shall fear your God. <clears throat> um, okay, and we'll actually read a little bit more of that later. But, but the point is, and that actually appears all throughout that chapter, but the, the, uh, the context of Israel being a slave in Egypt is what's driving these passages, is what's driving God bringing in these, um, these principles, these, these uh, legal principles on how, how their society is to, in, is to function. And, and I think specifically here, it's, it's the context of the economic society, right. how the economy is to function. Because the last thing I wanted to mention in the Exodus 21 passage, and I don't I wasn't really planning on digging into the details because there's so much there and we just don't have the time. And I don't, I, I don't think that's necessarily relevant to our discussion. But, um, but most likely this is referring to voluntary slavery or a laborer paying off debt. Most likely that's what Exodus 21 is referring. Again, there's lots of discussion. Uh, people can do their own study, their own homework. Um, uh, I don't want to just simply simplify it and, you know, that, I mean, there are some people that, you know, will say, well, this is equivalent to like, a, 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 I am not one who's into sports, so correct me. I think you're into <laughs> sports a lot more than I am. So I'm probably <laughs> That's not be. much. But um, the, the way um, athletes are treated, so yeah. they are, the way they're traded between teams, the right. way that their contracts work and right. things like that. Uh, so some 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 uh, uh, some commentators will say, you know, this is very similar to what's going on here. I don't think it's that simple. I, I think that's a way too simplified approach. Um, there's obviously much more um, uh, rigor. I'll just say it that way, rigor that goes into this context. Sure. But it was definitely not uh, on the level of any kind of... Um, uh, slavery that we would right away think of no you know no. and uh so most likely it's talking about voluntary slavery um a fellow man who comes to a master and says i cannot pay off my debt so i will work for you um my uh you know my my children will work for you or or you know and um but but it's amazing to see the very clear uh, restrictions that are placed on how that's to function. There's there's very clear in the context of love. You know, it's funny because the thing of I love my master that we read, you know, that should almost like blow us away. Like, wait, a slave <laughs> saying he loves his master? Um, you know what I mean? But all of those things, I mean, compassion actually drives all through these passages. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's amazing. It, it really is. Is. It is. And that was very different from the other nations. Yeah. And the other laws that you look at, that's uh, very different. Good. So, the, um, any any comments you want to make on that? Again, I'm, 
no. necessarily get into too much detail, but no, I think that's good. I mean, it just it just it's good for us to be able to to move the lens back and kind of take a a, a larger, more broad view of this whole subject because mm-hmm. you know our limited understanding of slavery, I think, drives how we look at issues um, regarding justice today. So I think it was good to 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 look back through how God instituted it to be a, a major component in the midst of it. That's yeah. kind of hard for us to, to even wrap our minds around at this yeah. point. Well, and again, and we're doing this mainly to, to, to understand, okay, there's, we have to let history be history. We have to under, have proper categories, proper context. We have to let God's law be God's law, scripture be scripture. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are important themes. So, Leviticus 25, jump into Leviticus 25. This is another passage that Exodus 21, Leviticus 25, very closely together. Starting in verse 39. If your brother becomes poor beside you and sells himself to you, you shall not make him serve as a slave. So uh, I think that brings in a better kind of the, the... uh, the context of Exodus 21, what's being referred to. Mm-hmm. He shall be with you as a hired worker and a sojourner. He shall serve with you until the year of the Jubilee. Then he shall go out from you, he and his children, with him, and go back to his own clan and return to the possession of his fathers. For they are my servants, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt. They shall not be sold as slaves. You shall not rule over him ruthlessly, but shall fear your God." As for your male and female slaves whom you may have, you may buy male and female slaves from among the nations that are around you. You may also buy from among the strangers who sojourn with you and their clans that are with you who may, uh, who have been born in your land and they may be your property. Uh, you may bequeath them uh, to your sons after you... After you to inherit as a possession forever, you may make slaves of them, but over your brothers, the people of Israel, you shall not rule one over another ruthlessly. Okay, difficult passage, uh, specifically the the context of uh, God giving provisions to buy uh, slaves from from the other nations. Uh, Difficult passage, a lot of detail, a lot of discussion. Again, that's not necessarily our focus today to go into all that detail. Um, but simple comments, again, must be understood in this historical context. And, uh, and verse, uh, verse, uh, 47, which we didn't read. It's interesting. If a stranger or sojourner with you becomes rich and your brother beside him becomes poor and sells himself to the stranger or sojourner with you or to a member of the stranger's clan, then after he is sold, he may be redeemed. It's interesting how... This is not a context of uh, skin color or ethnic hatred. That this is not at all the context of what's going on here. Again, it is very much so a context of economical act of how how a family is to survive. And I think the key to remember here is back then it was family businesses. You know. Um, families survived based on their home business of what they did, agricultural or whatever it might be. Right. And they needed workers. And I think that's the specific context of purchasing slaves from the other nations. Uh, very clear restrictions, how they're to be treated um, and, and, and things like that. But I, 
again, difficult passage, a lot of things there, but the point is the proper historical context, let scripture be scripture, let God's law be God's law, let history be history, uh, and, and let's try and let this guide us to how we understand history in our day and how we are to remember history, understand history, and and uh, and things like that. There's always, it's so easy to look at people in the past and judge them and condemn them. It's so easy to look at um, solid theologians, solid Christians of early America that had slaves and to condemn them. Um, but we have to let history be history, context be context. We have to understand it carefully. We have to, um, and uh, we we recognize sin. We call it for sin. We recognize um, a faulty argumentation. We call it for what it is. Um, but we don't pour down judgment upon people uh, uh, of the past. Um, yeah. Unless yeah. it's uh, very clearly theologically defined. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the... The last passage in this uh, in this context that I wanted to look at is Deuteronomy 15, which again is kind of uh, dealing with the same issue. This is the context of the sabbatical year. So I'll just start in verse 12. If your brother a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman is sold to you, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year you shall let him go free from you. When you let him go free from you, you shall not let him go empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally out of your flock, out of your threshing floor, and out of your wine press. As the Lord your God has blessed you, you shall give to him. What's the driving force? God. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Again, here we have God taking him back. I mean, there's a foundational historical truth that's guiding them here. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you, and therefore I command you this day. But if he says to you, I will not go out from you because he loves you, how can that be, right? Because he loves you <laughs> and your household since he is well off with you. He's well off with you. How can that be, right? Mm. Then you shall take an all and put it through his ear, <clears throat> Into uh, put it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your slave forever. And to your female slave, you shall do the same. It shall not seem hard to you when you let him go free from you, for at half the cost of a hired worker, he has served you six years. So the Lord your God will bless you in all that you do. Hmm. Um, I love the context of care and compassion that's seen here. The context of love, we've already talked about this. Um, and again, there's a, a specific context of economical acts of debt, economical um, structure that's being established here. Um, and even, it's funny because even liberal breathing scholars that deny this as historical account will admit there's such improvement that's seen here from the other laws of the ancient Near East of how, of compassion and care, of how the slaves, again, slaves and it's all kinds of manifestations and, and understandings in a biblical sense there's a somatic do, um, 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 uh, domain that's that that must be seen there of how that word what it means and things like that um, no, semantic I, I should say I said that wrong um, but 
another thought I had, you know, it's interesting. The, just this whole idea, and you, you, let me know what you think, you know, the, the whole idea of God going back to them as slaves in Egypt, and that being as a, as a um, motivational force of how they are to treat others. And isn't it interesting how the CRT worldview mm. flips that on its head? Ooh, ouch. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, I mean, you have... I mean, you literally, and uh, again, um, going go uh, not to go in a complete different direction, but the Hebrew Israelite movement, okay? Oh my! The Hebrew Israelite movement, okay? Not, 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 not a movement that's you know stems out of CRT or anything like that, but um, at its core, full out racism. I mean, full out racism. I mean, heretical, deadly at its core. But what's interesting is they they their mindset is completely opposite. Mm. We will enslave the white man. <laughs> and and if, if some of our you know, I'm sure most of our listeners probably won't be familiar with the Hebrew Israelite movement and, and we're not going into that's that. That's a good thing. Can, that's a good thing. Yeah, they're a heretical <laughs> movement. Uh, at its core, they pretty much believe that the the modern blacks are are the Israelites of, of the past, and right. it, it just heretical, deadly, um, uh, whoo, way out there movement. Um, <laughs> but but they just completely twist this, completely twist this, and CRT um, does the same thing on on a on a minor scale <laughs> on a more sophisticated yeah, scale. On a more, exactly that's a good yeah. way to put it yeah on a much more uh philosophically sophisticated you know yeah the, they got the academics on their side <laughs> um, but inherently the crt denies this yeah because if 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 black christians today want to look at the past and what happened in early america then what should drive them is this mindset look yeah. we our our ancestors, what our ancestors went through was 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 wrong. It was evil. But what's going to drive us is we're going to look at that, and because of that, we're going to treat others differently. And we're not going to look at you as a white man and go, "Oh, you got that privilege right there, brother. You 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 got that privilege." Um, yeah, there's so many things wrong with that that direction you know and and we'll, we'll touch on them in a little bit but yeah yeah it's spot on dennis i mean here you have a situation where those where god uses their past experience to draw upon how they're to behave in the present yeah and, and it's a context of compassion and care absolutely a context of love um and a context of remembering who they are as god's people yeah. Mm. So just finishing out these passages. So these are passages that are engraved in the eternal writings of God's law and present a real account of history. Mm. It's, it's a, it actually happened for those of you liberal scholars out there. <laughs> we, we believe in the Bible. God wrote this. <laughs> Presents a real account of history and how God dealt with it. Yeah. And we have, I think, a very good, um, good presentation of how we are to view history and how history is to influence us. Mm. And I think CRT 
really really defies that really denies that it just it pushes back against that thinking yeah it really does um yeah it it just seems as though you can't argue with the product <laughs> that's being pre- that that's being presented in our culture um doesn't seem to be very loving although some try to present it in such a way where they seem to come across as though they're concerned about love but at the end of the day um the thing especially i mean i've I've been taken up and and i mean really concerned about the effect that it's having on the next generation that's being Mm. that's going through school right now yeah it's just um it's it's absurd. Yeah, I've never seen anything. Yeah, and and it's so sad because it's twisting um, the application of scriptural truths on its head. I mean, I just I was gonna save this for our next session, but we'll uh, we can bring it up again. But I mean, you have quote unquote professing Christians, you know, that are um, you know have uh, degrees behind their uh, th- their names. I mean, they're making statements like. Um, like judging white white couples that are adopting black kids, yeah, it's... and they're just completely condemning them, completely denying the the beauty of the 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 context of adoption, the concept and the application of adoption, because they have completely bought into CRT, they have completely bought in to a unscriptural ideology and instead instead of seeing the beauty the beauty in that i mean we have we have a few families in our own church that adopted yeah. um black younger kids coming from difficult situations coming from difficult family structures um um and uh and it's a beautiful beautiful thing it's absolutely. a beautiful thing to see absolutely it, ma- it makes you scratch your head when you read some of those accounts that you just referred to Dennis as to what, what mindset produces those types of notions. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I don't even see it as being grounded in solid, even psychology. It just Mm. seems to be way out in left field. And I, I, I've kind of come to the conclusion that this is the, the, the result that you get down the road after being yeah. so engulfed in this um, social justice, um, critical race theory. Nonsense. Yeah, I guess it's the only way you can really put it. Yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's so sad to me because that's not the mindset of what we just read. Of you were slaves in Egypt, and you know what you went through, and you know that you are to be a different kind of people. And, you know, and and I think about the specific example I brought, but, you know, that's not a mindset of a black Christian looking at um, black kids growing up in certain certain black kids growing up in very difficult, uh, very uh, difficult family situations filled with sin and then seeing those kids legally 
and properly and biblically taken out of that context and brought into a family, white or black, but in this context, let's say white. Doesn't matter. It shouldn't into matter. A con- yeah. Shouldn't matter. Exactly. Brought into right. a context of, of a family that's trying to um, structure their, their family in a biblical way and seeing, you know what, that that's beautiful yeah. because, you know... Uh, w- I know where they came from, yeah, and I know that's not healthy. Exactly, and this is healthy. Um, yeah, and if we looked at things based upon merit as opposed to the superficial, I think we would be far better off as a society. Um, you know, because I'm sure there are people that do such things for the wrong reason. Yeah, perhaps, absolutely. perhaps. Um, well, but. It's Genesis 3. Of course there are. Sure. We, we all know it. Sure. But you deal with those based on the evidence of such things. You don't just yeah. paint over everyone <laughs> across, just based on skin color. Anyway, I digress. No, no, you're, you're good. That's what we do here. We digress. Um. So another angle of this that I wanted to look at is, were these laws abused? Okay, so we just looked at slavery laws. Were they abused? And how was it dealt with? So that that got me into Jeremiah 34. So Jeremiah 34, this is obviously many, many, many years after Exodus 21. Uh, let's just start in verse 8 we'll see we'll see what happens the word that came to jeremiah from the lord after king zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people in jerusalem to make a proclamation of liberty to them that everyone should set free his hebrew slaves male and female so that no one should enslave a jew his brother uh so i should step back jeremiah prophet elected by god from birth to serve God, he prophesies God's truth to people, uh, to his people. Um, during this context, you have God's people going through various judgments, uh, being uh, taken by other nations because of their disobedience, things like that. So hey, maybe for some, some of our listeners that aren't as familiar with Jeremiah or things like that. Sure. Verse 10, and they obeyed all the officials and all the people who had entered into the covenant that everyone would set free his slave, male or female, so that they would not be enslaved again. They obeyed and set them free. But afterward, they turned around, took back the male and female slaves they had set free and brought them into subjection as slaves. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I myself made a covenant with your fathers when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, saying, at the end of seven years, each of you must set free the fellow Hebrew who has been sold to you and has served you six years. You must set him free from your service, but your fathers did not listen to me or incline their ears to me. You recently repented and did what was right in my eyes by proclaiming liberty each to his neighbor, and you made a covenant before me in the house that is called by my name. But okay. Uh, but then you turned around and profaned my name when each of you took back his male and female slave whom you had set free according to their desire, and you brought them into subjection to be your slaves. Therefore, thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me by proclaim liberty. 
I'm just going to skip down a little bit here. I will make you a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth, and the men who transgressed my covenant did not keep the terms of the covenant that they made before me. I will make them like the calf that they cut into and pass between his parts. Uh, and uh, pretty much pretty much, God brings judgment upon them because of their disobedience. So God's judgment is poured out upon his own people for breaking his law, for... Um, for refusing to uphold God's truth. And um, what's the, the main point, I guess, here is that God holds them accountable and he takes them back to the law to correct them. Uh, he holds them accountable. He judges them for their disobedience and he takes them back to the law. He takes them back to here's what you should have done and what you said was good and you did it for a little bit, but then, then you went off the rails again. Yep. He takes yep. them back to, to his law. He takes them back to his truth. He doesn't come up with some kind of new um, analytical tool to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he takes them back to, to his law. And I think that's, that's so crucial and that's so important. That is God's remarkably consistent, you know, all throughout this time. If you do well, his approach to you reflects that. Mm. If you fall back into sin, he's, he's going to correct you. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that is, that is the theme of all of scripture to some degree. Yep. <clears throat> Um, if you serve God, you honor God, he'll bless you. If you go away from him, he's going to curse you. Yep. Um, and, and it ain't going to be good for you. No. <laughs> and, and again, a little bit of a side note here, but it's interesting how this truth is, 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 is seen in all cultures, all, all times. I mean, what we're living through as a nation right now, today, I know you and I talked about a little bit of this uh, uh, yesterday, just... What what do we expect from God? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm sitting here thinking. Yeah, what what do we expect? <laughs> I mean, we as America, we have murdered more babies than Molech could have ever dreamed of. Mm. Mm. And um and we're surprised <laughs> by by the the clear judgment of God upon this country. Yeah, it's it's <clears throat> it's mind boggling. We think we are our own judge, I think. Hmm. <laughs> and, and so we, we, we can ignore, um, I mean, just the reaction to what's taking place in the state of Texas is just, it's just amazing. Yeah. And, and all the while, we can spend countless amounts of energy on a subject like this, um, you know, trying to infiltrate as many uh, sectors of society with it as possible, whether it's, you know, once again, going back to even to elementary schools, it's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's okay for us to, um, to deny God in terms of, um, life in the womb. It's, yeah. it's yeah. staggering. It's, it's just, it's crazy to me because you think about abortion, you're like, okay, at its core, this is such a simple issue. If you just leave politics aside, you leave, this is a simple issue. You know, you know that's a life. I mean, science has proven that without a doubt. You know that's a life. And, uh, and the cultures of the past known that before they had uh, modern science. 
And there was always an understanding. And anyone anyone doing or thinking otherwise was always shunned and, and condemned. And uh, such a simple issue, but yet, uh, I mean, obviously God's judgment, you know, is, and God's blinding judgment is the only explanation that someone can be so, uh, so, so ignorant and so naive, uh, willfully uh, ignorant and willfully naive. And you have professing Christians um, that will, they'll evoke the tired, stale argument of um, those that are so focused on abortion, they, they care about life in the womb, but they don't care about life outside of the womb, hmm. which is just, it's just, um, it's absurd. It is absurd because we know that the party, political party in America, that, uh, that is promoting abortion left and right, um, we know how much they care for the life outside the womb, right? Uh, I'm being sarcastic, obviously. <laughs> People can't see my face, but but we know that's a lie. They don't care. No. They they don't care. And their policies and their modern approach no. to to our country and it clearly demonstrates that. But I, I their mean, words. Their words are, are are give the impression yeah. that they care. Yeah. Yeah, so God, I mean, God judges them, and God takes them back to his truth. And I think that's that's an important, important aspect. Um, if you will allow me two other passages I wanted oh, to sure, look sure. at ahead, that, uh, that I think are important. So actually, going back to God's law, okay, I, I love God's law, you know, I, I think there's... Uh, <laughs> I think it's scripture. <laughs> uh, last time I checked, <clears throat> and it's relevant for today. <laughs> what's that? So, what's that disclaimer? The viewpoints expressed by this. <laughs> no, I was just yeah, yeah, say. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're I, not. I am. Hey, we are. Yeah, we're, you know, we're we're two separate individuals. Absolutely, we, we have Brian. our our convictions, but absolutely. God has united us in a in a good way. And, Absolutely, brother. Um, and on this you. topic, we are very much so yes. in agreement. Yes, indeed. Sorry. Um, so I wanted to just quickly look at the whole idea of reparation, because that's so important, and restitution. Mm-hmm. So why, why do we talk about this? Well, I guess predominantly why it came to my mind was because I heard a sermon by a... Uh, fairly well-known reformed black pastor who preached a sermon uh, just just a couple years ago about reparation and de- and uh, trying to biblically defend the uh, modern social justice definition of reparation and oh boy was it bad I mean oh man um, I'm, I'm talking about Eric Mason I think you've you've heard of the same sermon. oh yeah, oh, yeah. Um, he's several he's um, He's been, uh, I don't know what what happened to that man, um, but um, so why why do we look at this? Well, number one, because people are talking about it, you know, and uh, and number two, because God's law actually talks about it, you know. So if we <laughs> want to think about this biblically, right, we we go back to the Bible. So I wanted to just quickly look at Numbers five, and there's there's a lot of passages, but I just picked one for sake of for sake of uh, our discussion and time. Mm-hmm. 
Not that we care about time that much. It's not like anyone's anyone's uh nah. <laughs> but we don't wanna we don't wanna drag this out for too long. So numbers five verse five. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel when a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit by breaking faith with the Lord and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed, and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it, and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. But if the man has no next of kin to whom restitution may be made for the wrong, the restitution for wrong shall go to the Lord for the priest, in addition to the ram of atonement, with which atonement is made for him. And every contribution, all the holy donations of the people of Israel, which they bring to the priest, shall be his. Each one shall keep his holy donations. Whatever anyone gives to the priest shall be his. So a few a few basic points. I, I know you and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah. Number one, wh- who are the parties involved? Is God saying, hey, in uh, in uh, the next generation, <laughs> when you think back about the previous generation and the sins that happened there, or two, three generations ago, make sure you sit down and do a full historical study of your family tree, all the parties involved, and... Um, and and then sit down and, and come up with, uh, you know, an amount that, that is fair or, or, of restitution and reparation and, and uh, you know, and go, go to your pastor uh, and your pastor will counsel you through this. <laughs> I, I'm, obviously, I'm being silly, right? I, I mean, no, it, it's well, you... living parties that are involved. It is interpersonal uh, relationships that are being affected. And they're dealt with by those parties. And Dennis, that, that's what makes this subject so hard to talk about because you're saying it, you're, you're halfway kind of making jokes about it in a sense because it's so simplistic that it's hard to discuss it seriously mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's plain to see that it's dealing with individuals that you have some sort of ability to demand some sort of recourse of action with not people from, you know, generations gone by. And the interesting part is here, even if it says, if there's no next of kin, but again, who's the one doing this? The man who has recognized his guilt and is, is, is trying to make it right. So there's a recognition of sin, first and foremost. There's a recognition of sin. And he is the one who initiates this, right? Right? Isn't that interesting? There's a recognition of sin. So when you have these, I'm sorry, wacko, coward (laughs) pastors that are coming out and making statements like, my world is so white. My world is so wide. Like, and trying to repent over that as if there's some sin because God made them white and the 
and and the majority of the books in their library are by white guys as if that's sin i mean come on that is so far from any kind of biblical understanding of restitution and reparation and you name it and you got to ask yourself where exactly is that coming from and, mm. and what type of it ain't coming from numbers five i can tell you that <laughs> the sad thing is that you're starting to see um, i'm not going to even go into detail but um there's there's churches that are these same individuals that that make those same types of overtures that you just stated um they're turned upside down instead of standing upon the truth hmm. and they they've taken this position where they're going to pretend to ask for forgiveness for something that quite frankly they have no reason to ask for forgiveness for thinking that it's somehow going to appease the their their audience and in reality it's had the opposite effect well and and it's interesting to me because um why is it not going to appease um because your repentance is unbiblical it's a lie it's a lie it, it's not repentance no it's not you did nothing wrong no. you have I, I mean you know you have very well known southern baptist uh leaders presbyterian leaders you know i've heard people uh like uh even good solid reformed preachers like ligon duncan and albert moeller and guys yeah. like that making comments that are like well you know i sit in my chair in the office which was you know, which has a, a picture of somebody from the 1800s who was a slaveholder. And it's like, okay, but in a sense, it's like, so what? I mean, you again, let history be history, recognize the sins, recognize the faults, deal with it, but what do you have to repent of? Do, are you holding slaves in your basement? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, are, are, are you are, are you uh, hating on black people somewhere on, on the campus of your seminary or something? Like, what, 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 what are you talking about here? And Dennis, um, you can see this working out in the secular. You, you see this working out um, where you attempt to scrub history of all traces of such things, and it's never ending. I mean, it, it, you literally, you think that by making acknowledgments like the one you just stated, that somehow it, there's going to be an end to it mm -hmm. and it's a bottomless pit Yeah, because is. you're dealing with a world that in which the history of that world is sin. It's, is yeah. its background. Yeah. It's filled with sin and all kinds of sin. I mean, and, and. And history's good. It is good. I mean, those the 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 CRT mob that are knocking down statues right now of history. I mean, it's pathetic. <laughs> it's pathetic because that that is history is good. It's there for us to study and learn from, and, and it and it is rich. It's rich of sin, but it's also rich of blessings. God's grace and God's grace. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So this passage, we see a recognition of sin. We see restitution that is made in accordance with God's law. Restitution yeah. that is in accordance with God's law, not some kind of man-made 
who knows what, you know, restitution. Well, you owe me 20 bucks because, you know, uh, because, because. <laughs> and the other thing is reconciliation is accomplished. And that's a key. I, I, I actually, um, uh, 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 Leviticus 6, Leviticus 6, verse 7, uh, somewhat similar passage, but, and the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. So this is the man trying to make it right. And he shall be forgiven for any of the things that one may do and thereby become guilty. Mm. There's reconciliation and forgiveness that is actually accomplished. And I, and I know we've talked about this before and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but, um, that is not offered in the CRT movement. That is not offered in the modern social justice movement. There's no forgiveness. And you, you just said it. To what goal? Yeah. To what goal are you trying to apologize? Mm. For, for, for what reason are you yeah. trying to apologize? Why? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's something to behold. I've, I've seen it in several different contexts lately, and um, it never ends well. Mm. never ends well because you're not dealing honestly first of all and and secondly god is nowhere in that process Mm. yeah yeah amen one last passage mm-hmm. in the in the just the whole you know biblical view of history. You're fine, and, and man. You're doing like the that. heavy lifting this go around. <laughs> <laughs> um, one last passage I thought of, and actually I was I was talking to so Second Samuel twenty one. I was talking to um, a brother about some of these topics that we're going to deal with, and specifically in the context of re- reparation and restitution. And he he thought of Second Samuel twenty one, which I thought was uh, was great. It was it was actually. It was it was helpful, um, because Second Samuel twenty one might seem like it's actually contradicting of what we're talking about, right? Um, but because we're right, we know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it always helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm just I'm joking. Um, but yeah, I was I was very very grateful to this brother for pointing this out. And it was good to, to read and uh, and do a little more in-depth study. But again, you really have to read the whole chapter. But um, for sake of time, I'm not going to read it. So um, David here, King David of Israel, is avenging the Gibeonites. Okay. So the Gibeonites, uh, the Gibeonites come to David and they say, Saul sinned against us because there was a covenant, an oath that was made between Israel and the Gibeonites of you, you will not destroy us. You will not attack us. So in a sense, a peace treaty was made between them. Saul defies that peace treaty. He goes and slaughters them. Uh, and, and they come and they want, they want revenge. They want restitution. You know, they want reparation. This is, you know, century or not a century this is you know let's say the next generation you know so i can see somebody using this passage and say well here's you know the next generation trying to you know figure looking at the past and trying to make things right right and um i guess very simply put this is a this is a very different context in a very different category because the main issue here is not the fact that they're making you know they're looking at, at at a historical event and 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 making you know figuring out how do we you know 
how do we repair that or, or you know how do we what kind of reparation do we do that's not the main issue mm. the main issue here is the category of david being a faithful king and saul being an unfaithful king mm. and uh so let me see here maybe now there was a famine in the days of david for three years year year after year and david sought the face of the lord and the lord said there's blood guilt on saul and on his house because he put the gibeonites to death so the king called the gibeonites and spoke to them now the gibeonites were not of the people of israel but of the remnant of the amorites um and they they should have actually destroyed them and you know uh, historically speaking, but uh, different conversation there. But although the people of Israel had sworn to spare them, Saul has sought to strike them down in his zeal for the people of Israel and Judah. So, on a found on a on a surface level, his intentions were good. And David said to the Gibeonites, "What shall I do for you? And how shall I make atonement that you may bless the heritage of the Lord?" The Gibeonites said to him, It is not a matter of silver or gold between us and Saul or his house, neither is it for us to put any man to death in Israel. And he said, What do you say that I shall do for you? They said to the king, The man who consumed us and planned to destroy us so that we should have no place in all the territory of Israel, let seven of his sons be given to us so that we may hang them before the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the chosen of the Lord. And the king said, I will give them. So um, we have the the main point here is the the unfaithfulness of Saul to honor an oath and a covenant and to act on his own in in his own initiative um, in his own in his own way and the important theme here is uh, a, a central biblical theme of corporate solidarity or corporate representation. And that's obviously a theme that we see of that's even in the New Testament, whether it be in the church, in the family, in the uh, in the um, structure of salvation, Christ being the head and uh, and being our representative head, and things like that. So that's really what's going on here is just this biblical theme of corporate representation, corporate solidarity that Saul represented God and God's people and his nation as mm. the king, and he failed to do that faithfully. Mm. And David is presented as the opposite. He's presented as the one who is faithfully representing. And and the reason is because when he chooses which, uh, which, sons, uh, uh, which sons of Saul to give to the Gibeonites, he... Um, he does not give to them Mephibosheth. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, it says, because of the oath of the Lord that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So here you have David honoring his oath. Mm. Where Saul failed to honor the oath, <clears throat> David is honoring that oath. That's um, and, and that's really what you have here. You have the representation of David as a, as a faithful corporate uh, representative and Saul, who has failed, who is an unfaithful corporate representative, and and he is held liable for that, as as in in that sense. Um, so you know, I could see. I, I've never heard of anybody going in this passage, but I could yeah. see somebody using this passage in, in that way. But um, well, that's good. not the context at all of this yeah. passage. <laughs> very different categories. <laughs> of of what's being talked about in the modern reparation movement and what's being said in this passage. Wow. So again, I was 
grateful for this brother to point it out and I wanted to wanted to address it because I I think it's um helpful for us to to think um no that's very good yeah <laughs> well brother where are we at with time here we should probably wrap it up for this session you know yeah. we uh we joked about uh how you know, we, we, when we initially sat down, we split this up into these neat little, uh, neat little, you know, four sessions, and and we we did pretty good in the first two, but yeah, on this one, let's just say uh, it's gonna have to be two. Oh yeah, it's gonna yeah. have to be two sessions, yeah. or time time is flying, but. Uh, but that's all right because we we did realize that later as we were prepping that you know uh, this is probably going to be two sessions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for certain, for certain. So next next time we're together, what I would like to do is just I just want to talk to us all in reference to okay, how do I look at this subject? Why does it even matter um, as an individual? As an individual that's that's seeing what's taking place in the news, seeing what's maybe even taking place in your church. Um, do I wade into that discussion at all? Do I stand back and just just not even approach the subject? And I, I just want to encourage people, um, definitely don't sit this one out. I think mm. it's very important that um, for us as believers, as many believers as possible to be biblically informed by how to think about some of the things that are taking place. Cause I'm noticing that in a, in a church setting, this type of mindset can take over the mindset of a church very, very quickly. Mm. Um, so I just want to, next time we're together, we'll just deal with some very practical ways of just looking through the subject and even being able to have maybe discussions with others that, um, are just trying to figure it out. I mean, because think about it. I mean, when you think about the concept of social justice, okay, who doesn't want to champion that, right? Yeah. I mean, if you think about it in its broad, general sense, yeah, it's justice, right? And even the whole word justice. I mean, that's a biblical thing <laughs> yeah. that's very yeah. clearly seen in scripture. Yeah, I mean that that's my Christian duty to be just. Yeah. So I want to deal with that in a very practical way. And I think scripture does that. So, we'll... yeah. And, and obviously we, we didn't get to our third point in, in the biblical right, passages. Right, right. And that will, I think lead right in out of that. Absolutely. Um, we want to look at passages like Ezekiel 18. Yeah. Uh, I know that was on your heart. You wanted to focus on that. Psalm, uh, 73. Psalm 73, yeah. you know, you wanted to focus in on that. We'll look at those passages. Uh, and then we want to look at Ephesians 2, because I think that's, oh, yeah, that's right. right smack at the core of of uh, how we are to respond to CRT. Yep. Um, and, um, and in terms of, I'm sure there are other passages that will come up, yeah. but just in terms of the ones we wanted to center on, Revelation 5 is so right. key. And I think that's, uh, it's such a good passage to end on when we yes. talk about biblical alternatives to CRT. So um, you're thinking we're going to end next session, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we won't end the discussion of CRT, Certainly. probably. I'm sure we'll have, yeah. uh, we'll definitely have one more after next session. But yeah, because um, yeah. Yeah, I, like you said, I, I think getting to some of the practical aspects, and we wanted to kind of save that towards the end, yeah. where we just kind of have more of a dialogue, things we have seen um, in the culture, in the church, responses, people buying into this stuff, their reaction, 
and and the danger of this because I am the yeah. more I look at this, the more I look at our culture. I'm I'm convinced this is the this is the the greatest threat to the church right now is it just really is. A, a naturalistic ideology that's creeping in that's causing the people not to think biblically and it, and it's almost it's funny because it's causing people to just lose focus of who we are as a church mm-hmm. and and it, and I think it's affecting how the church is even responding even in the whole covid situation yeah um, yeah, I, I don't think they're, I think they are connected in, in many different ways. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So this was good. I, I enjoyed yeah, it. I enjoyed yeah. looking at some of these passages. I think they're helpful. I really do. I hope that you guys find it helpful. Uh, you know, definitely dig into some of these passages on your own. Maybe sometime in the future we can do, you know, kind of like take some questions and we can have people send in questions and we're still working. We would love to, uh, sometime in the future, do live shows, right, that would be you nice. know, have people maybe even yeah. call in or something like that. And, yeah, that'd um, be fun. And, and, and by God's grace, maybe we'll get to that point. But, yeah. uh, but these are foundational truths. Uh, and the bottom line is we have to deal with them biblically. We have to have a biblical worldview starting from the beginning um, leading us right into the more you know robust revelation uh, of God's truths and Absolutely. how we respond to it. Absolutely, Dennis. Thank you for doing the heavy lifting on this session. And for those that are listening, we thank you for tuning in. Uh, we look forward to um, many, many more uh, sessions like this. And uh, we just want to thank you for supporting what we're doing. And uh, we uh, want you to have a a blessed day and continue to walk faithfully with the Lord. Mm. And remember, POC, we are people of the covenant. We are God's people of his beautiful covenant.